Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman. Both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? Well, we've got part two of interview best practices. So last week we talked about how to get that interview at your dream job. We talked about how to enhance your brand. We talked about how to keep that prime pumped. But we also talked about how you can use your network and how getting in directly or through another connection is the most important way to uh, focus on getting an interview into the company of your, uh, of your dream job. Today is going to be all about how to nail the interview at your dream job. This could really be a full series. It could be its own listener's choice separately. But we're going to cover it today in about 25 minutes. And it's broken up into three sections. The first section is preparation. The second section is emotional awareness. And the third section is follow-up. So in the first part of this listener's choice, we talked about the value of, of a new career or a new job. We, we talked about it easily being a million dollars, probably more than that, probably many multiples of that over a certain period of time, depending on where you're at in your career. Isn't it worth doing the amount of preparation work it takes to ensure that you absolutely nail that job? No doubt. It's, it's, I think I said last week that I spent I would spend months, hours over the weeks of those months to prepare for something like this. Um, maybe some people don't know how to do that preparation. We're going to talk through and give you some ideas here today. We are indeed. So I, I think I'm, we'll start with that. Let's start from the, let's say that you're a couple months away the what you need to really be looking at is what is that company talking about today you can on if you check out seeking alpha we'll include a link to this on the show notes if you look at seeking alpha they'll have the show notes or i say the show notes they'll have the notes from their earnings call uh workday's earnings call um was just about a month ago month and a half ago um seeking alpha within 24 hours posted 11 pages of the earnings call notes it took all of 15 minutes to read, and it gave anyone that would be interested in working at Workday would give them incredible insights as to what's important to Workday right now. What things should you be looking at and thinking about if you want to go work for Workday? So earnings call is really important. What are they betting on? What are the analysts asking about? What are they investing in? Look at, you know, follow different, uh, set up Google alerts for uh, news coming out because you know if you're hearing about these things externally, you know that they're talking about these things all the time internally. Well, I'd also use those alerts and updates to follow up from last week's episode about priming the pump. Okay, you, they, company ABC blows out their earnings, stock jumps a bunch, you have two people that you're trying to prime the pump with at that company, and you call them and say, congratulations. Surely they either are purchasing stock in their own company or they're receiving stock. That means they had a great day. They're proud of that. Call them up and, and don't ask them for anything. Just share that you're excited for them. That's a simple example of how you could be priming the pump. And it's a great, um, it's, that's great advice. And 
it's great advice too for prospect prospects that you're talking to as well. Uh, I use this all the time. I set reminders on my calendar for the big prospects that I'm working with on their earnings calls, of course, if they're publicly traded, because there's such great notes that come out of that. They're always touting something interesting or something they're excited about in their business. They, As you mentioned, they are almost always shareholders in the company. If they're not a shareholder, they're probably not the person you need to be talking with. So they're great points of data in those uh, earnings calls and news releases. Yeah, tech seller tip, if you're not familiar with those earnings calls, they're obviously always scheduled and published um, at a certain time, but they're also all recorded, and those recordings are published within 24 hours of when they happen. So no excuses if you missed when the earnings call happened. Uh, Seeking Alpha is my favorite. So I I have a subscription to Seeking Alpha. It's the best site out there uh, in terms of deep financial analytics as well as just what happened with this company over the past two months. So check out Seeking Alpha. Okay, so let's get a little bit more micro. That was kind of macro. I've got an interview. I'm trying to nail this. It's going to be in two months from today, one month from today, two weeks from today. What, What should you be thinking about on the day? We're not going to get into, just like we did on kind of, we didn't really get super deep into networking best practices. We're not going to get super deep into the kind of core questions that you're going to be asked about your job because you only you can prepare for that. Only you know what's going to be most important to the interviewers. But what people rarely think about, what they rarely work on, and, and this goes for a first meeting with a prospect, but it 100% goes to your first interview or an interview with anyone for a company that you're looking to go uh, to work for is the first 30 seconds of that interview. These could be basic things when they're getting you out of the lobby to take you into the interview room. What things are they going to be asking you about? Tell me about yourself. What part, what part of town did you come in from? How was the traffic? Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your family. Tell me about the job that your company you're working for today. Did you get today off? So many, I, I, I think it's part nerves and I think it's, I think it's part, I don't know what the percentages are, I think it's part of just total lack of preparation that people don't have the first 30 seconds of interviews ready to go. I agree. I, I hear often, well, here's the question I normally ask because I want, I'm te- it's a test, but I want people to tell me about themselves. If someone starts talking about uh, their, their, their 180% of plan that they were last year and 200% of plan the year before that, my mind gets to, well, why on earth would you be leaving that company? Number one. Number two, if they've had that level of success there, why are they, why are they thinking about leaving? Is it all smoke and mirrors? But is, is work the only thing they do? They have nothing else going on in their life? Um, I look for those, those little idiosyncrasies that tell me a lot about that person. And quite frankly, I get the cut. That person normally asks me, well, what do you want to know about? Do you want to know about my family? Do you want to know about my work life? What do you mean when you say, tell me a little bit about yourself? We all have, we all have a self to have, be ready to tell that story. And I don't think it matters whether you, that, that you lead off with what you do with your family or what you do with your kids or what you do professionally. So they say, you know, Bobby, tell me about yourself. I don't think it matters what you talk about first, but it's it's talk about something first. And I think so many people are afraid to talk about their family. They'll, they're afraid that the, maybe their potential employer would, would think that, oh, man, is this person not going to focus all their efforts? I, I don't know that we live in that world anymore. Maybe we do, and I'm just, I'm not, I don't care and pay attention to it anymore. But I would be shocked if I asked someone to tell me about themselves, and they didn't at least, even if they don't lead with it, at least tell me about their family. I want to know about that kind of stuff. 
No doubt. And I, I coach people all the time when they're looking for a job at, at what I assume these levels are we're talking about here, that they they are strategic in their conversation. So, hey, if someone tells asks me to tell them about myself, I'm going to tell them the, the normal stuff, what I do, what I'm passionate about, a little bit about my family. And then I'm going to interwine some of the things I'm working on to make myself better, whether that be exercise, whether that be a book I'm reading, something to start the groundwork and, and inject into them that I am working on myself. It never hurts to start start the interview early if you're walking down that hall. And it makes it far less superficial than when they do finally get to that question that's usually at the end of the interview where they say, tell me about how you're working on yourself. If that's the first time you've brought up that you're reading, if you're you know, into whatever you're into, flying, uh, you know, triathlon, reading, if that's the first time you're discussing it, you've not done a good job preparing your stories ahead of time. So, so be ready for those types of questions by setting the stage early. What kind of things are you good at? What kind of things are you bad at? You know, are you good at, you know, again, be deeper than just I'm X percent of plan. I'm, I, I help lead the, the, the team from a marketing perspective. I'm help uh, with developing wind themes. Talk about things that are surround the job, not just about the job. Because when they think about you being on their team, they want to ensure that you're not just getting yourself to your number, but you're helping the rest of the team get to their number. What things are you doing with the team to help everyone get there? Yeah, we've said it before. Sorry, but we we should talk in threes. Tell these stories in threes. It's a tip. It'll keep you focused. It'll give you an easy way to remember the things that you want to cover. Uh, These aren't just haphazard conversations if you do the prep prep well, talk in threes, and keep on track so that the interviewer believes and remembers these key points about you and your family. And finally, on preparation is, and this is the most important part of this, I think, is have three to five sales stories ready. Um, one of my favorite managers of all time, Eddie, told me uh, that the, the way he leads off any interview is tell me a sales story. That's it. He says, tell me a sales story. He said, within five minutes, you know what kind of person that you're dealing with here. You walk into an interview and you don't have a handful of stories ready to go, you're going to struggle in that interview. Because if you're having to think through all the details of that engagement, how you got in, what struggles did you deal with, where, you know, tell me about the how did they make a decision to buy? Was it a group decision, an individual decision? How did the demos go? How did you prep your team for the demos? You need to know that story. What kind of business transformation did it do for that prospective customer that turned into a customer? Tell me about deals that you lost. Tell me about deals that you won. You need to have have written up in your OneNotes or in your, your papers, whatever you use to get prepared for your interviews, you need to have these stories ready to go. I think this is the most important part. Yeah, and it might, might gleam too much out there for future interviewers of me, but I always go in with three stories that have three deltas in them and I, I i share this tip with anyone who calls me and asks me to prepare help them prepare for an interview but you need three stories and they could be your favorite customer because you sold them your favorite product and and it was a good win for you but whatever the three stories are we'll just call the story story a b and c and in those stories you need to have three delineators in those stories something that you learned something that was difficult and something that helps you win or lose and if you have those three th- those three stories with those three delineations in it, 
and you really know them well, and you're really ready to tell those three stories, you've actually got nine things to share with a, with an interviewer. He could say, tell me when you lost the deal and, and what you learned from it. Boom, story B, I go right into it. I have that lined up, I'm ready to go. Tell me about a time when you worked with a team and you won a big deal. Boom, story A, I get to tell the positive one. Have those three stories and those three delineators lined out and, and prep them and tell them over and over to yourself in a mirror or your spouse or a friend, you will nail this section of an interview. Great advice. All right, Bobby, let's jump into the second topic. The first one is all about preparation. Talk about getting ready for the company, getting ready for the interview, and getting your sales stories right. The second part is emotional awareness. This is probably one of, outside of people not being prepared for the first 30 seconds of an interview, this is probably the second biggest gap in most people that I interview with. I'm listening for cues around certain skill sets that we're looking for at the company. So typically in an interview panel, you'll have three to five people interviewing a potential candidate. They've assigned, in most cases, not all cases, in most cases, they've assigned certain um, skills that that interviewer is looking for. Be listening for what those skills are because then you can start to, you mentioned you've got three kind of key parts to three different stories. You can start to weave these proper stories into this discussion and start to get to their answers much quicker because what inevitably happens is when they do the recap after they everyone's done their interviews, they say, yeah, I just couldn't get... I couldn't get a good feel for what they learned from losing a deal. I just, I just could never get them to answer that question. Well, you've effectively got now an incomplete when it comes to your interview with that actual candidate, with that interviewer. So be listening for these cues around what skills they're looking for. Yeah, I, I get asked a lot, you know, would you interview so-and-so? Would you get to meet them? Would they be a culture fit? Whatever. I, I call and ask the hiring manager often, what are you really wanting me to get out of this? I want to be focused. I don't want to just have a happy gas conversation for 30 minutes with someone. And I, I ask for those categories if they're not given to me. And those categories are where I spend my time. And quite frankly, it won't take much for me to have a, a negative mark on that person if they're not answering those questions uh, probably another big pet peeve of mine is when you when you ignore the real question and go a different route. Certainly. And th they're going to also get into, like, they want to know how you can regulate. This This would kind of go across all categories, no matter what um, skill questions that they're looking for you to um, seek out. But they want to know how you re regulate your behavior. Like, what's your ethic? You know, what if you came across an e ethical dilemma? What if your work was criticized? What if... I love this one. I, I, I use this one all the time, especially for upcoming managers. What if you worked, what if one of your coworkers smelled? What if they like, you could tell that they like weren't totally showering after that workout post work or going with meetings. These are certainly if you're going into a first line manager role, these are real questions that will really come up in interviews um, and, and have, have thoughtful answers. This just comes like download a guide. There's a thousand of them online but have some sort of framework put together for every answer uh, that you come across and slow down the conversation when it comes to these questions. Far too many times, people will get wrapped up and excited and talk ahead of a thoughtful answer to these. Take a second, take a deep breath, slow the conversation down. It shows kind of good executive presence and it shows thoughtfulness because you're gonna have a much stronger answer. Next, let's talk about self-awareness a little bit deeper and say, okay, 
what do we know the hiring manager is going to ask us and how are we going to be ready to answer and talk through those questions about ourselves because we're aware of how we interact and what we're doing so why are you leaving the company who you know they're thinking in their mind whose fault was it or what was the faulting cause for you to leave most people don't leave companies they leave managers so you're going to want to be a little careful on how much you degrade your your manager that you're leaving since you're probably looking your future manager in the eye um you need to know what's in the room and, and, and how you're presenting yourself in that room. I think almost always I'll leave a rubber band or a paper clip on a table in front of me if I'm going to interview somebody. If I'm going to interview a bunch of people, I want to know if they're just going to fidget with it the whole time. Are they ADD and just can't stop from touching that, that rubber band on the table and pulling on it and stuff? Um, be cautious of all those tricks of the trade and be aware of yourself. If you've interviewed with two or three people or maybe you were a direct referral, They've probably had to share some strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I would say I'm very aware of my strengths and weaknesses. Um, maybe not to the degree I should be at times, but if I went to an interview with a bunch of people that knew me and I didn't tell them that I can get extremely passionate about a topic or I might be a little rough around the edges when I start working with a new team, there's no doubt they're going to know those two things about me and might as well address them and how I work on them and how I adapt those because uh, I'm really good at adapting them, but there's times where they do show their reary face if I'm, not, if I'm not careful. Be aware of yourself and what your strengths and weaknesses are, and be open to talking through those. Because if you're not, they're going to become red flags. Why don't you talk a little bit about red flags, Brian? It, it Really, a red flag is something that shows that uh, the candidate doesn't have good emotional intelligence or self-awareness in general. So, don't give a boilerplate template answer about, you know, I had a disagreement with a colleague on a project, but we sat down and we discussed it, and, and he and I, we solved the issue. It's completely canned. They they know these aren't real. Um, don't talk about, don't give really short answers like I stay calm under pressure or I'm great at collaborating with other people. It's too vague. They're not going to use it because they that you could have, anyone can say that. It, this goes back to, Bobby, I think the three stories, five stories that you should have prepared. Give examples around a specific sales uh, story. Like, it's a great opportunity to continue to talk about selling and what the day job is. You know, how about a deal that you were involved in and you were partnered up with pre-sales and you and this particular person in pre-sales didn't get along and it impacted the first demonstration, but you guys were both aware of it. You didn't want to let it hit the second one. You know, talk through real scenarios that that are around deals, it's going to carry a lot more weight and it's going to be far more interesting to that hiring manager than just giving something really generic about, I had a disagreement once, but then we sat down and we solved it. That's They're, they're going to dismiss that right away. To my own weaknesses, if someone were to ask me today, you know, I heard you're a little, little you can get a little excited or you're a little rough around the edges. I tell them, look, I've read all the self-help books. It's It's a part of my personality that won't go away. When I start working on new teams now, I kind of advertise the fact that, hey, I'm very focused. I want to nail this job. You're going to think I'm introverted and don't want to be part of the team, but it's just my focus. Ask me to go to lunch. I'll ask you to go to lunch. I adapt and, and work on that uh, on an ongoing basis. Uh, it's, it's almost a strength that I'm so focused, but it does come off as a weakness. And, hey, if I push back on you, I want the best for you, me, and the customer. This isn't necessarily just me being a, a little rough around the edges. This is me trying to get our customer what's best for them. And we might not always see eye to eye, 
but you and I got to agree to disagree sometimes and just get the customer what they need. Those, those weren't the ways that I described those weaknesses 10 years ago. And it probably held me back in a few instances, but those aren't canned answers. Those are something that I've worked hard on over the last 10 years to describe some of the things that I think people perceive a little differently than they should, but they do. So I got to be ready to adapt it. Indeed. And for me, I'm very introverted. Um, this is something that I've uh, had for forever. Um, I've never been the typical uh, salesperson. I don't like evening events. I just don't. I prefer to be home with my family. I don't like to be in a room full of people I don't know. I'm not nervous about it. I just don't enjoy it. I don't. It doesn't give me energy like it gives some people that are more extroverted. So what, what does that mean? It means that I've got to build deeper one-on-one relationships. And it's actually something I'm, I'm good at with prospective customers and existing customers is I can build deep relationships in a one-on-one or one-on-three type environment. It's a strength of mine. So speak to those things, be, be calm, be confident, be truthful and honest about it. And again, whether you're talking about, Bobby, you talked about how it's something you're, you know, you've done all kinds of reading books. You and I have read a lot of the same books over the years that aren't sales related. You know, stuff about meditation and and um, and, and dealing with stress. Uh, it's something we, we've both dealt with over the years. Um, that Perspective employers want to know that. They want to know that you're aware of these things. Self-awareness is such a huge thing in this industry. Well, and it's one that helped me quite a bit that I guess I'll throw out, uh, non-sales related. I have a perfectionist mindset. That's why I hold people highly accountable. I want the best for my customer and the best for me and my family. And sometimes it gets me a little bit wrapped around the axle. I read a book. I love it. Brian, I'm sure you've read this book. It's called Pursuit of Perfection. It is it is the perfectionist and a few of us and, and the, the bad that it can cause and what we need to reflect on because of the good of that strength and really how how well we're doing. You know, sometimes it's hard to realize how well we're doing. So I'll, I'll put that in the footnotes here so that you guys can uh, check out that book. It's a great book. If you're a perfectionist and never think you're good enough, it'll give you some topics and ways to uh, reflect on really how good things are going and maybe not always trying to achieve perfection. And one other comment of that. So it wasn't completely obvious to me that I was a perfectionist like that. What this, this book helped me see that I, I was. So if you have the 4 a.m. night sweats about a certain task or big deal or something going on and you wake up at 4 a.m. and it's something really minor, and let's say that never goes away, you're probably a perfectionist. So it doesn't always manifest itself in the most obvious way. That's so it's funny you said that. Last, last night I went to bed thinking that I had caught up on a bunch of things. I was doing great. I wasn't worried about a bunch. I woke up this morning. And I was like in full-on panic mode about editing tomorrow's podcast <laughs> and getting these recorded and all the things I had to write for this and all the other side projects. I mean, I just self-induced this worry that is crazy. Um, things are pretty good, and even if all that slipped, I would still be able to relax and have a good day. But, well, man, it's tough. It really is. All right, finally, the uh, last subjects on this section about nailing that interview is the follow-up work. There's kind of, I think, a follow-up in two capacities here. The first one is in the interview, inside the actual interview. The second part is post-interview. So let's start with in-interview follow-up. This is really, I think about this in terms of what questions should you be asking them uh, as they finish up the interview, right? So they've just got done hammering you for 30 minutes, and now it's your turn to ask them questions. 
um, th these are important, and don't ask the dumb generic ones that you can find online. Be really, really thoughtful about what questions you ask here, because they're measuring you here. This is also another measurement of self-awareness. So you've gone through the interview. You've learned a lot more about the job. They've learned a lot more about you. Ask them, what's the ideal candidate? You know, I, what kind of experience are you looking for? Does my experience line up? I mean, I feel, I feel like it does, but I feel like this is a gap. Be really brutally honest. I promise you, there is a whiteboard that is happening post-interview that talks about your pluses and your minuses. If you don't give them any minuses on things that you're working on, they're making that list up. Wouldn't you rather set that list up for them? And then they be able to say in that follow-up conversation, these are weaknesses, but he's, here's what he or she is doing to, to knock these things down. Another great one is I know we've talked a little bit about the role and my responsibilities and what you'll have me focus on, but the accounts and then maybe the territory that I'll be covering, is it a new, new territory that you're creating? Is it one that someone had and they've moved on from it? Is there anything you'd be willing to share with me so I can start doing my due diligence and preparing for that territory? Again, a, a, a sign of ambition and the ability to take it and do it on your own would be something that a hiring manager would love to hear towards the end of that interview. It would, and then also think about the question, the the things that you've learned from the earnings calls or from press releases. This is a great time to get clarification. Don't assume that you've got it right. I I think back to some of the questions that I asked when I first interviewed at Workday, and I was like, I was kind of in the right ballpark, but not completely in the right ballpark. But at least it showed that I was interested. I'd done my homework. They cleaned up some of my assumptions and helped me really folk, you know, think about what it is they're thinking about what as it relates to this job. So, so be really deliberate about uh, these, these questions that you have going on. And then, Bobby, there's a really big one that I know you're huge on. Uh, what's that one? Yeah, if you're interviewing for a sales job and you don't try and close the deal, I have a feeling that will be put on that whiteboard. So you've always got to tr close the deal. It is not always comfortable. If the interview didn't go really well, it might be harder to ask this question. But you have to ask the question of, are you going to recommend me for this role? And assuming it's not the hiring manager, maybe this is one of those panels and you're doing three or four interviews that day, you've got to ask that person, have I done it? Have I done everything I can to earn your recommendation for this role? Are there any concerns that you have with hiring me or making a recommendation for your boss to hire me? You have got to ask for the deal. And if you don't, you're not going to get my recommendation ever. And don't ask the dumb question of, uh, let's say that you've, because you certainly will have a panel of interview maybe it's not a panel but maybe you're doing them in one-on-one -on -one successions don't ask the person that is a peer to the manager that you're going to be working for will you hire me it's it, it's ner it's a nervous question it's a bad nervous question just to talk about you know they're going to go into a room one-on-one -on -one, or they're going to have an online conference call um, and discuss all the candidates say that say hey we know that you're going to sit down as a group, you're going to talk about the pluses and the minuses. How do, how do I how do I stack up against the team? Like, you're going to be asked, would you refer me? Like, could I be your top candidate? How do I stand? Have real conversations. It's going to lead to a much better answer. If you don't think there's going to be a conversation, there is going to be a form they fill out. All the new recruiting systems, all the human capital systems in the world that have a recruiting module ask you to put your feedback in, and there is a drop-down list. Hire or no hire? There's no question about that. No doubt. So, so ask, know the answer before you go in. 
Um, it's 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 a really really important one. Whether you think it's goofy or whether you think it's immature, just expect that it's going to be uh, asked. All right, final point here is post interview. Um, it was always such um, an important thing to do a handwritten note. I think email has kind of taken that over. Bobby, how do you approach uh, post interview follow up? Well, definitely, I think you have to send an email to anyone that interviewed you to show interest, close them again in that email. Um, it's the fastest, easiest way to do it. I think if you can reach out to that person that maybe introduced you or referred you, uh, have them send some sort of a touch point is great as well. And I, I think there's a huge value to a handwritten note. If you can make that happen, great. If the decision is not going to be made within the next 48 hours, I definitely think you should drop something in the mail to the hiring manager, short and sweet, thanking them for their time and what you learned. It'll make a, it'll make a huge impression. No one does that, and you'll be the one that does do that. Have the email pre-written a bit. So it's exhausting. Interview day is always exhausting. You're always beaten down by 2 p.m. whenever you finished if you had an early start. You're not going to want to write an individual note for the six people that you just interviewed with. Write that stuff the day before. Now, don't send it yet, of course. Keep it in draft mode. Keep it in your inbox. And, and then insert in parts of the conversation that you had. So let's say you discussed a Harvard Business Review article. Let's say that you talked about a book and they, they had interest in it. They're like, wow, that sounds interesting. Link to that kind of stuff. I've been so impressed with candidates lately that will send me the follow-up email with all the core stuff, their resume, their deals, like just the normal follow-up stuff. And then it's like really personal for even a paragraph or a few bullet points that really show me that they cared about our conversation. Yeah, be very careful on this one. If you copy and paste, do it the day before. Don't do, don't, don't write Brian that email and say, Brian, thanks for having me in. I enjoy what we talked about. Copy and paste it and then send Bobby the same email that says, Brian, thank you for that meeting. I will know that you got a little lazy and that might be the reason you don't get the job. So be very, very careful if you do that to not copy and paste and keep that personal information transcendent across all of your emails to those prospective interviewers. And the last point here is if you if you got in because of another person that recommended you into this role, or if you know people that work at this company that have a good reputation at that company, now's the time, if not before the interview, ideally it's before the interview, but now's the time to have that, that army of people or those two people or that one person to follow up with the interview team. Find out who the full interview team is and reach out to that interview team to say, to have them say whatever message you think they can possibly say. Hey, I've worked with this person in the past. I know the kind of work they deliver on. They'd be a great addition to the team. You need to, you need to have this pump primed and ready to go, ideally before the interview, but certainly after. One of the tips that I would recommend all of you do is ghostwrite the email that you want that person to send. Hey, if, if John Doe got me that interview, I would say John Doe, obviously talk to him on the phone, but I would ghostwrite that email for them so that they could open it up approve it for no less and then hit send you know i think the interview went really well jane said that she was going to make her recommendation if there's anything further that i could do to help you get that information from the interviewee i'll be happy to do that 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 would be a very powerful way and you'll know they'll get that work done for you don't put all the work on that person that gave you that referral great advice great advice Okay, so with that, we're going to wrap up. Uh, the first part of this series was all about how to get that interview at your dream job. Today was all about how to nail that interview with your dream job, dream company. 
We'd love to hear your feedback. So as always, please uh, like us on Facebook and uh, send us your comments here. Send us an email, info at bobbyandbrian.com. So remember, everyone, average is the enemy. Average sucks. Don't prepare like an average person here. Let's go all out. Let's invest the time that's needed to uh, go out and nail that job interview. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.